one year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money in the fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Herb Lennon Game Magazine. The structure from Herb Lennon. Herb Lennon's articles, the Herb Lennon ads to information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet that's working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very much the same as the you got bobcat. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the fur shed, this is Trapping Today. Jeremiah Wood, thank you for listening in. We're brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K A A T Z B R O S dot com. Cots Bros has what you need to get started on the trap line or resupply for the coming season. Go to CotsBros.com and check them out, baits, lures, and everything else you need. Onyx Maps, turn your phone into a fully functioning GPS you can use on the trap line to mark your trap locations, run tracks, get landowner information, and scout the latest aerial imagery. Use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, when you check out at onxmaps.com for your first purchase, you're going to save 20% off with that code. And Moyle Mink and Tannery, get your fur tanned by the professionals. Moyle has been doing this thing for decades. They have the whole tanning process down packed, mastered. Uh, they do an incredible job, very reasonable price, and it's quite a product when, when you get it back. Uh, whether that's for a wall hanger or something you want to sew up, make something with your tanned furs. I mean, they do just such a great job. Moyle.net, M-O-Y-L-E.net. And check out their online customer portal to get your order processed faster. Okay, it is a long way around the barn for this week's episode. I actually recorded it last night. And I get to trying to upload it this morning. And I just wasn't... It didn't turn out the way I had hoped it would, put it that way. So I'm actually re-recording this now. Um, I just wasn't, uh, the audio quality wasn't very good, and sometimes that's okay, but there was a lot of background noise, and I wasn't really in the right frame of mind to be focused on recording an episode anyway. I was trying to get it done, and it just wasn't, I wasn't, my head wasn't in the game. But anyway, I I w- it was after about 11 hours of sitting on the tractor trying to knock down a big hay field, uh, breaking the tractor, um, losing the mower off the back of the tractor, losing all the hydraulic fluid uh, right at the end of the day in the dark, uh, having a walk home through a bunch of fields uh, in the dark, getting back and wanting to eat the little supper realizing that the cows, something happened with the water, that the cows were 
drinking and uh, there was no water I had to uh, go and and start hauling water and fill up the truck fill up a tank in the back of the truck and I, I took the recorder and I was recording the episode as I was filling water and then hauling it up and emptying it out in the trough and had about oh, a couple dozen angry cows uh, standing there waiting for their water so I was pretty pretty played out physically and emotionally and I was just trying to get it done and I I thought I did and I kind of I don't know I sat down this morning and I said yeah I could do a little better than that so this morning um, I'm gonna just try to go through the things I talked about in the last night's recording basically we're making a list making a list for the upcoming trapping season and a lot of different you know different people depending on where you're at in the country your season's going to start at different times. So for guys up north that have early seasons, we are about a month away from the beginning of trapping season. People in other parts of the country, you might be two months, you might even be three months or more. So um, just take this for what it's worth. And I'm not going to make the ultimate list on what you should have for your season. This is not really going to be educational at all. I just want to get your mind thinking about trapping season. I'm going to go through some of the things that I like to prepare and get ready. And maybe that will help you think a little bit more about the things that you have to get ready for the season. And uh, and just get your mind on trapping a little bit. So, um, again, I, I, you know, some people are really good when it comes to preparing for trapping season you know springtime a lot of people are getting going and trying to you know summertime boil dye and wax their traps and go through all the equipment and get everything ready to go other people i mean some people even right after the end of the season when they put their traps away they're ready to go for the next year but let's be honest most of us are not going to get to it until we're right at the beginning of the season and we need to uh to get going so uh it it seems as though uh, there's a lot of motivation for anything toward the last minute and especially something that's not like a really top priority and i hate to say that about trapping but let's be honest um for almost all of us this is not a money-making operation we do it because we love it. It's more recreational uh, with, with maybe a monetary benefit on the side. But if I have to choose in the springtime what I'm going to get ready, I'm going to get my farm equipment ready because I need that to function in, throughout the summer. Um, or there's thousands and thousands of dollars on the line. Um, trapping, not so much. So it tends to take a back seat a lot of times. But as we're getting toward fall, this is uh, the time that I get thinking about it. So the first thing that comes to mind with, uh, you know, most for most people, obviously it comes as no surprise, is traps. Got to get our traps ready. What a lot of people do, what I like to try to do ahead of the, well, well ahead of the season, is to have the opportunity to go through my traps and just make sure that they have all the parts and they're functioning. Uh, a lot of traps, you know, you, you uh, when you pull them at the end of the season, you have you know, potential for to bend triggers, to lose triggers. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, a dog gets bent out of shape, a pan falls off. There's a lot of potential things that can, can go wrong. And, and just when you're throwing traps around in the back of the truck or in a tote, and transporting them and stuff. So just going through and making sure all of the parts are working. 
making minor adjustments if you need to do that. You definitely want to do that at least before you go ahead and, and treat your traps for the upcoming season. So make sure all the parts are working. I like to gather them together. You know, all my body grips will be together. You know, uh, maybe I'll have bundles of 110s bundled together, uh, six or half a dozen or a dozen in a bundle. Uh, my coyote foothold traps in one bundle, you know, 330s somewhere else, 120s somewhere else. And I like to go through kind of a, a rough inventory of what I have and think about what I'm going to do for the upcoming season. Because usually we have a pretty good idea in our head. Okay, am I going to go after coyotes seriously this year or am I going to, you know, not focus on that? How about Martin? Is it going to be a good Martin year? Maybe I want to hit it pretty hard. Uh, then I need to make sure I have, you know, four or five dozen 120s ready to go. Uh, am I going to go after beaver? Well, we better get our 330s and our TS-85s in shape and good to go. Uh, there's some traps like uh, I'm planning, I think, for 2022 fall to do a foothold line for Martin and Fisher up here uh, close to home. And that that requires very specific traps. I'm not going to use my coyote traps for that. I, I want a smaller size trap that's uh, going to be more friendly to uh, Martin and Fisher as far as foot damage potential and uh, being able, I want to be able to release animals uh, unharmed uh, without any, any foot injury or anything like that. And so they're going to be smaller traps. We have a lot of regulations regarding uh, the chain has to be center mounted on the, on the trap base plate. The, you have to have a certain number of swivels and all that. And I have a set of traps. Um, they're, they're actually one and a half Victor coils that are laminated and, and everything's all pretty much ready to go. But I'm not going to use them until next year. And so those are set aside in a tote by themselves. And they're not even going to come out uh, during my trap preparation this year. Um, other things uh, I may I may tend to spend a little more time on and make sure I have them out. I'll just kind of make a either a list or a mental note of what I'm trying to do and gather up what I have and may need to go do a little shopping. Maybe look for some used traps if I'm if I'm short, you know, if I want to uh, hit the Martin line pretty hard and I need some more 120s, well, maybe do a little shopping, maybe maybe go online and and buy a dozen or two dozen of those to make sure that I have what I need. Um, then it comes down to treating your traps. And there are a variety of different ways. I believe if you search back in the archives of this podcast, I've done a full episode just on treating traps. So I won't go into detail on that. But you've got a couple of different options. You know, the, I, when I, I treat my different types of traps differently. Uh, my body grip traps, I dip with um, either Andy Stowe's Speed Dip or Cotts Brothers Lures KBL Quick Dye. Either one of those works great, and you mix it with either uh, K1 Kerosene or uh, like Coleman Fuel or Gasoline. Uh, the Coleman Fuel works the best uh, in my experience. Makes a good coating on the trap. But you dip them, and then you do this during as hot a weather as you can, hot and dry. Uh, shake the dip off, hang them up, give them plenty of time to dry, and plenty of time for that uh, fuel to evaporate and get the smell off the traps. Uh, 
I do not dip my coyote and fox traps. Now, it used to be like a huge no-no in the trapping community to, to dip your canine traps. But nowadays, a lot more people are doing it and people are spray painting their canine traps and not having any issues with them. I think um, there are a couple of different things going on there. Uh, part of it is a change in attitude in the trapping community. Part of it is maybe the fact that there isn't a lot of trapping pressure anymore, so there don't tend to be as many educated animals out there. And part of it is just how you do it, how you go about it. And so if you're going to go a week before the season and you're going to dip your canine traps and hang them up, you pull them down a week later and you go out and trap with them, I think you're more likely to have issues with animals smelling those traps uh, because the gasoline or the, the fuel has not had the opportunity to completely evaporate and dissipate. The traps are also going to be tacky. Um, it's kind of sticky on the outside. It's going to just be a, a terrible mess. Don't do it. But if you do that be beginning of the summer, middle of the summer, and you allow a couple months in a nice clean area, like not a, a garage where you're changing oil and working on tractors and trucks and whatever, but a tool shed, uh, a shed that just a place that doesn't have a lot of scent of any kind for to adhere to the the trap surface, um, and you give them plenty of time to air out and to hang, you're probably not going to have any issues. Uh, I mean that scent will have plenty of opportunity to disperse, um, and and it shouldn't be a problem. So so it just depends on your preference. I still like the old school logwood die method for my foothold traps, um, and I'll dip my my body grips. I'll also I have been starting to spray paint uh, the body grips, especially if I, I get close to the season, I'm not fully prepared. It starts to cool down pretty early here. Like uh, usually by the end of August, our 80 degree days are pretty well done. And it, it can be hard to, to have enough time for, for that coat surface coating of the trap to dip to, uh, to fully evaporate and dry out. And so I'll use spray paint and spray paint dries up real quick, even in cooler weather. So that's been something that I, that's helped me out when I'm last minute and say, I've got all my traps treated. And then two weeks before the season, I realize I don't quite have as many 330s as I need. I decided to pick up a couple of, of extra areas and I'm going to go after Beaver. I better get some ordered real quick. Uh, I get them in and I paint them. Or sometimes I just use them on treated but let them get a little rust on them that first season but it, I don't really love having a shiny trap uh, in the water whether it's for an animal to see it or for another trapper to potentially come across it um, wax uh, never I never wax con bears I did that once I'll never do it again uh, I think you all know why <laughs> when I was when I first started that was a learning experience couldn't keep one set after they went through the wax uh, but but my my canine traps my foothold traps I try to wax most of those I don't wax the ts85s for beaver um, but the the traps that are going to be on land uh, I try to wax those and sometimes I'll just have a layer of wax at the top of the boiling or the, the water pot that my uh, dye is in 
and as you pull traps up through the surface of the die, uh, they'll get a light coating of wax. Sometimes I'll have a separate container with melted wax uh, heated up, uh, like a crock pot, or usually something a little bigger on a on a burner. Just be careful with fire with wax, and uh, and dip it then. It, it's wax is best to dip during hot weather so that you can shake and drip off plenty of the wax as it comes off. If it's really cool, if the air temperature is cool and you have a trap there sitting in the pot soaking up, uh, uh, being covered in wax and you pull it out and the air is really cold, the wax uh, dries really or solidifies really quickly if it cools down quickly and it'll form a really thick coating of wax on your trap and it kind of makes the trap there's too much wax makes it hard to to do a lot with the trap it just makes a mess so keep that in mind but that's a general trap treatment moving on from traps uh earth anchors so the earth anchors are uh, just anchors in general thinking anchoring systems this could be earth anchors this could be wire this could be chain this could be the old school uh rebar stakes that some people still use as a general rule, it's a good idea to treat those uh, just like you would treat your traps. I mean, those are going to be portions of the stakes uh, or the cable are going to be sitting right below your trap in the trap bed. And so if you want your foothold trap to be sent free, you probably want the same for your staking system. So uh, a lot of times like you can just put your stakes, whether they're cable stakes or rebar, um, wire them in bundles and uh, dip them in the the trap uh, dye, the uh, the concoction that you've got boiling. Get them boiled, um, get them as reasonably scent free, and you're good to go. Uh, you don't, you know, for people who haven't done it before, you don't need to worry about uh, waxing any of that stuff. But um, and, and then beyond that, um, think about your staking system, your anchoring system. And what's going to be the most efficient way for you to uh, to get that accomplished uh, ahead of do what you can ahead of the season to just make it quicker when you actually get out there and you're setting traps. If you're using rebar stakes, that might be as simple as just making sure that you have your stake swivels on the end of your all your trap chains. If you're using cable stakes, uh, a lot of people or cable stakes or even like the earth anchors with chain attached to them or like I've been doing a combination of cable and chain um, that may mean that you know the the a great way to add efficiency to that system is to have those attached to your traps ahead of the season so every coyote trap that you're going to use uh, have an earth anchor all, already uh, already attached with your J hook um, to the end of the trap chain. And so all you have to do is pound that stake into the ground and your trap is anchored. You don't have to attach it while you're sitting there setting up. Uh, the only exception to this as far as efficiency is if you do like what I like to do is go like a day or a few days ahead of the season and where I have locations already picked out, I like to dig my trap bed and pound in my, uh, my earth anchors ahead of time. So that when I actually go and set up on opening day, um, all I have to do is hook in, hook into the loop at the end of, or the chain at the end of that 
earth anchor system uh, to my trap um, and boom I'm, I'm set up and I don't have to spend all day opening day just pounding trying to pound uh, earth anchors into the ground because it can be pretty hard on the body and a lot of this rocky ground that I tend to trap so in that case I'm not gonna uh, attach those to my trap because I want to be able to do that ahead of time um, and we have a strange law in our state where no trap can be on site attached before the season. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, set or not. It can't be attached to anything. And so we can pound in our cables, stakes, but we cannot attach our trap until the actual opening day of the season. So um, for me, it works better just to have those separate. Uh, but but things like that, you know, have that in the back of your mind, uh, what you can do to speed things up a bit. Uh, tools, let's, let's talk a little bit about tools. Um, what I like to do is think ahead of time and I, I just kind of, because it's hard to make a list. Sometimes you can go through catalogs like F&T has this pretty comprehensive catalog. Uh, you can go cotsbros.com and look on the menus there and the drop down menus and see what they have. You can go to convention and look at the, the booth tables and see everything you get ideas like, oh yeah, and I, I need one of those. I need that. Oh yeah, I forgot that I didn't pick up that or whatever. That's one way. Um, you'll even find things that you didn't know you needed. <laughs> Just so happens. Um, for me, what seems to work best is to mentally visualize myself running the trap line, setting up traps and have like a pen and paper in hand while I'm doing this and just write things down. What do I use? Okay, um, I get to the set. Um, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to pound my uh, earth anchor into the ground. So I'm going to need my hammer, my driver, um, my earth anchors, my traps. I'm going to attach the trap to the earth anchor. So I'm going to need J-hooks and I'm going to need my J-hook tool or S-hooks, whatever you happen to be using our quick link connectors and uh, I'm gonna need my hammer to dig the trap bed too so I got that do I need to have something special to dig dirt holes maybe I want an auger with a drill there um, I'm in an area where I actually use a hammer drill to uh, pre-drill holes in the rocky ground so that I can actually pound earth anchors into it and many places the ground is just so so hard to get a stake into that we got a pre-drill with a concrete bit and a hammer drill but anyway um, those are things that i'm thinking about and then okay what about when i go tend the trap and i make a catch what do i need there what do i need to remake what do i need to make the set i need a sifter i need uh, i need my dirt in a pail uh, maybe a, a bunch of five gallon pails full of dirt and then i'm going to need maybe maybe i want a, a smaller pail just to to carry a little bit of dirt at a time so I'm not uh, hurting my shoulders carrying five gallon pills back and forth from the truck all day. Um, I get to this site, I make a catch and well, what if it's an animal that I want to release? Well, I got to have a catch pole there or ha have something set up to safely release an animal. So all those things I'm kind of rattling off and back and forth in my head and I'm, uh, I'm writing them down and that's how I kind of come up with my list. Uh, that I can check and make sure I have everything ready for the season. A lot of times you don't realize what you need until you go through that exercise and then you think, oh geez, I have like three days worth of preparing I need to do 
and the season starts in two or something like that. Or I haven't budgeted enough time between now and the start of the season for what I need to do. I better get going. So that can be a good motivator at times. Uh, let's move on to, uh, well, oh, one other thing with tools is wire. Uh, and I, I left that separately because wire is something that doesn't matter what type of trapping you're doing, land, water. Uh, it, there's just so many different ways that we use wire as trappers and we use all kinds of different sizes of wire. And so you always want to have plenty of rolls of wire on hand. So just, uh, I like to make sure I do, uh, that can kill you on shipping. It'll either kill you or it'll kill the supply company. Um, when you get it shipped. So I found the most economical and effective way to get wire is usually at convention. If you're going to a convention or if you get a, a dealer that you can pick it up from locally, you don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to get that through the mail and add the cost on, on both sides to, to get that shipped. Uh, unless you got something where they're shipping flat rate, you can probably do okay uh, with wire that way. But uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, bait and lure, moving on. So this will vary significantly. Uh, there are some trappers that don't really need to use any bait. They don't need to prepare bait at the beginning of the season. They don't need to have any on hand. Uh, water trappers that are using, you know, maybe a little bit of lure. Maybe you're just using body grips and blind sets. and You really don't need to have much for bait for most water trapping applications. Land trapping, there are people who trap coyotes and don't use any bait. There are people that use flat sets with a little bit of lure, maybe some urine scent post sets. Uh, maybe a lot of people will use just uh, like 16 ounce container of bait. Uh, just use a little tiny bit of bait at each dirt hole set. And a 16 ounce container might last them a couple of weeks. There are other people that use lots and lots and lots of bait. And I would put myself in the lots of bait category. Um, I was just the way I was taught and the way I started trapping. And it was really, really effective. Whether it's because it works well in our area. Whether it's my mentor was an O'Gorman guy. And that's where he learned. And, and lots of bait and big bait was big dirt holes and all that. That was kind of part of the game. Uh, I don't know what it was, but that's kind of the habit that I've gotten into. I've I've started to get a little bit away from, I've started to incorporate more flat sets without any bait or very little bait. Uh, and and I've, I've tried to diversify a little more. I think uh, it, bait can be a huge advantage, but it can also be a crutch. It can stop you from paying attention to location and making sure you're you're right on top of where you need to be. Um, it, it just depends. It, it just depends. It's a whole episode worth of discussions that we could have on that and different opinions. And I don't know if any, any one is more right or wrong than the other. But for me, when I make a dirt hole set, I'm typically going to have the amount of bait that I'm going to have in that hole is probably be going to be about the volume of size of my clenched fist so that's a lot of bait and I don't want to have that in one or two big chunks if I can help it because if I've mentioned this before but um, if you have that say in a consistency of hamburger like ground beef 
there's a lot of small pieces and it'll keep an animal working a set longer. If it's one big chunk, he can grab one. If he doesn't step in your trap, he grabs that, pulls it out of the hole, he's got the bait. Off to the next uh, area, have a nice day. You don't have an animal. So you, you, you get more foot action, more paws on the ground around your set if you have uh, more pieces of bait to be uh, retrieved out of the dirt hole. Um, another thing is, you know, if you can make real small dirt holes uh, that an animal cannot pull bait out of, uh, that, that can be a heck of a lot better. But I just don't have the ground where I can do that consistently. Um, it's just too... The soils are too shallow and rocky in the places, most of the places where I trap coyotes. Uh, more farm ground, you can get away with that more. Uh, so that's, so bait, um, another thing to think about is do you want to use fresh bait or preserved? I tend to lean more towards fresh bait, um, primarily because I use a lot of fresh bait in my Martin and Fisher trapping. I did use preserved bait in the past. Um, it will attract animals. In my experience, they don't seem to eat it as much, depending on what your uh, preserve, what you have in that preserved bait. And so, uh, a lot of times, I really want an animal. Um, if if I've, I don't know. I I feel like there's more appeal to something that they're they're going to eat um, naturally and uh, I think a lot of times what happens when we're Martin trapping in the boxes is you make a catch and you still have other animals that are are going in and out of that box after you've caught one whether it's a weasel or Martin or whatever and they go in and out and if they get to that bait and they don't like what they see uh, and it's not really edible they don't want to eat it they're going to back right out and not really be that interested. If they clean that box completely out of bait, they are going to be back when you remake that set. After you remake that set, they're going to be back to get after that bait. and You're going to have a really good chance of making another catch. So that's kind of just the, my observations there. I could be wrong on some of that, but that's just what I've seen so far in, in the last few years. So that preserved bait, is great because you don't have to have it in a freezer and you can have it at, you can store it for years at a time it's just uh, the application can sometimes be limited the good thing about preserved bait is you can control uh, you can get it to where you want in any stage of decay and stop it with a preservative so you can preserve you can grind up a bunch of beaver meat and you can add sodium benzoate uh, or salt and you can preserve that fresh in a fresh state so it's not super stinky or you can let that decay for a few days and get it tainted and then preserve it at a certain level of taintedness or you can get it all the way to where it's nasty almost nasty rotten uh, you can stop it there you can just keep it rotting and and have the most disgusting smell ever um, you can just decide what you want um, i started out trapping with fresh bait and then over the years, I transitioned toward the stinky disgustingness, and I've transitioned back to fresh, and I like fresh better. Um, stinky bait has more calling power, but when an animal gets to the set, I don't think it has as much attraction in most cases. And if it's an animal like a coyote, 
it's going to have, they're going to react differently. They're oftentimes going to want to roll on it rather than to actually eat it uh, or dig at it. So just uh, just my thoughts there. I like, I, I tend to like starting with fresh bait. I, I'll put beaver meat from spring trapping into the chest freezer. Uh, I can only store so much of it. I only have room for so much. And in the fall, um, sometimes, depending on what you're trapping for, uh, if it's coyotes, I don't have this luxury, but if it's for Martin and Fisher, uh, the way our seasons line up, I usually have a week to trap beaver before Martin and Fisher season starts, so I can get bait there if I need it. The other thing a lot of people do is, people like me that use a lot of bait, is go to butcher shops. By mid-October, usually you have some seasons that are going, whether it's moose or deer or bear, where you can get some meat scraps from a butcher to uh, to, to use for bait. I've never used bear actually, but uh, moose and deer scraps I've I've used pretty commonly. Uh, beef I've used beef scraps as well. Obviously I've got beef cattle and and I uh, I've used scraps from animals I've slaughtered before. Um, I don't think it doesn't seem to be as effective. Deer and moose is pretty good. Beef is okay. It works, uh, but I think chicken and pork work better, uh, especially chicken, Martin. Uh, seem to to really be attracted to chicken coyotes too so uh, anyway yeah just just uh, considerations fish if you can get your hands on some fish sometimes that can be a good bait as well I've had a really good experience with that I mentioned in last week's episode Uh, lure the the beauty of lure is pretty much any lure you're going to use any lure that I sell any lure that vast majority of manufacturers sell is going to be preserved for the long term and so you can keep it from year to year without any issues uh, uh, having it go bad or anything and so lure the shelf life on most lures is essentially indefinite it's best to keep it in a cool dry place um, in the shade and yeah you, the the nice thing is i i tend to collect a lot of lures i'll i'll try something different i got all the stuff i make obviously I got more than I need of that, more than I can use. But then I like to use other people's lures as well. And especially not so much for Martin. Sometimes I do for Martin and Fisher a little bit just to experiment. But uh, when it comes to coyotes, I, I really don't feel that. Uh, I, I'm not, I haven't made a coyote lure just because I don't feel as though um, I have killed enough coyotes to specifically say that this you know, I know what attracts predators, but to say that this is a coyote lure that's going to be better than anything else I could try, eh, I don't think so. I've got some stuff that I've put together that I know works, but I also like to try lures from other coyote trappers who uh, have a lot more experience than me and have caught a lot of coyotes and, and just try different things and, and experiment and see what I like. So, um, I, I have picked up a lot of different lures from different places and I use a little bit I put it on the shelf and I keep it for next season so uh, right now I have I could go a couple years without buying any lure for most any species and I'd be just fine but I always am going to tend to pick one up and try it out anyway so um, that that's the nice thing about lures is usually there isn't much shortage um, so yeah, those are the things that, that come to mind. Your traps, your anchoring system, your bait and lure, all the different tools you're going to need, your wire. And the last thing I want to talk about is dirt. 
and for this is just mainly for the canine trappers out there uh, the one of the most effective things you can do to make sure that you can be fast and efficient making sets and that your sets are going to stay working is to have dry dirt on hand to use at the sets traditionally i started out using anthill dirt it's well drained it's uh, already been sifted because the ants have carried it and and piled it up for you and so it, it if you go you know you get a few dry days in a row and in the middle of the summer you can find a few ant hills and dig yourself up all the dirt you're going to need for the season you got plenty of dry dirt to use um, however ant hill dirt will get rained on and soak up rain and if you have rain and freeze thaw freeze thaw with rain mixed in uh, it your trap bed uh, can uh, you can have uh, the trap beds start to freeze on you on the surface and traps not working um, when you need them to be. Uh, peat moss is another thing people use. You don't really have to get that ahead of the season. You can go to any gardening center at uh, Walmart or Lowe's or wherever you happen to shop and pick up those bricks of peat moss. Um, have more than you need uh, all dried and ready to go. So, so that's another option. And but finally, the, the thing that has become more and more widely used, especially in the north, um, for guys that have freeze and thaw conditions, is wax dirt. And wax dirt is a beautiful thing because the, uh, the, the nature of it, having the wax incorporated into the grains of dirt, means that uh, it sheds water. It does not soak up water. And so wax dirt does not freeze um, the water just kind of drains right off of it drains right through it and the the dirt the in the trap bed continues to function even after it's wet and it's frozen um, it just just continues to operate just smoothly um, you will find if you're in an area like I am I think you'll find you have a lot less work and your traps are functioning much longer and you're going to get more catches if you're using wax dirt. Problem with wax dirt is it's expensive. It's expensive because the wax costs quite a bit and it's very labor intensive to make. So if you're going to buy it from someone, you're going to pay a lot of money. If you're going to make it, it's going to cost you a lot of time and a fair bit of money. Wax is going for a 10 pound bag of flake wax is going for 25 to 35 dollars somewhere around that range depending on how much you buy and uh, maybe plus shipping depending whether you pick it up in person or you get it shipped and that uh, is gonna make a pound I think a half to three quarters a pound of wax is gonna do a gallon of dirt it, and that'll vary depending on the the type of dirt that you have and the size of the individual grains of, of sand or or clay or whatever you're using not you're not going to use clay but soil and so it, that that's going to vary quite a bit but it, in general uh you're going to if you set a lot of traps you're going to go through a lot of wax dirt and it's going to cost a fair little bit of money some people will start the season without wax dirt and and as they go along they'll start using it because you just People that are running big long lines, you just can't physically make enough wax dirt uh, to to keep up with how many sets you're going to make. And so 
that's a balance that you're going to have to to consider depending on your individual situation. But as a, an up note, uh, ending this episode, I actually have finally. Um, part of it was all you guys buying lure after last week's episode. Thank you for that. I think we only have one predator pack left. Um, if if you hear this and check the store trappingtodaystore.com, you may have a chance to buy that last one. Um, we're out of predator lure. We still have predator plus long distance call and all the other lures I've restocked for the most part. And I think I'm, I'm ahead right now, but, um, be sure to get your order in pretty soon. But, but yeah, um, printed a bunch of money last week. So I went to Harbor Freight and I picked up, I'd been wanting to get this for a long time, uh, but I just couldn't financially justify it uh, at the time. And so now I picked up the Harbor Freight three and a half cubic foot cement mixer, the metal one, and for I don't know, it was like two hundred and thirty bucks. And I got a turkey fryer, and so I'm gonna be setting that up here at some point in the next couple of weeks, and making some wax dirt. You know, you can make wax dirt with tarps uh, and sunlight uh, if you have all summer. You have. You're not, uh, when it's hot and sunny here, I'm making, I'm cutting hay. So I don't have time for that uh, in the summertime. But a lot of you guys, if you do have the time, that's that's an economical way to do it. But I'm going to go the cement mixer out. I know several people who have tried it and have done well with it. So I'm going to give it a shot. And I'll probably, uh, hopefully be able to shoot some YouTube videos and and let you guys get a sneak peek at that. If you haven't seen it before or you like to, to watch me through the process and see how it turns out. So um, that wax dirt making process, we'll see how that goes. Um, I finally got, after being six months on the waiting list, got Starlink internet this week. I hooked that son of a gun up. I lag bolted that dish into the roof of my trailer and I've got New York City speed internet right now. It's just, it's been, it's blown my mind. It's absolutely, absolutely mind blowing. And so my big bottleneck, uh, other than the time issue uh, for getting more YouTube videos up, was was the slow internet connection. And I was using all my phone data to, to try to get upload just a single YouTube video. I was using all my phone data f- for the month. And so now I'm in a situation where I should be able to upload those really long YouTube videos pretty quickly and efficiently with this connection. And I should start being able to do some more live streaming on YouTube uh, if uh, the mood happens to strike. So keep uh, that in the back of your mind. Maybe check out the YouTube channel Trapping Today and look at some of the past videos. Uh, In the next few days, I'm going to try to upload a video that I've had here for two years that I haven't been able to do. It's It's like over an hour long. It's a demo that I gave at Neil Olson's Trappers Convention two years ago on under ice beaver trapping. So some of you might find that interesting. Uh, stay tuned for that and more videos. Um, but now it's time to get into the Cots Bros message of the week. As I record this, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks on uh, our country. And it was, it's, it's an emotional time. I remember I was in high school. Um, I, I still remember that day when the Twin Towers were struck. Uh, and a lot has gone on since then in the 20 years. 
and so it's something to to remember uh, depending on you know how old you are you may have grown up without ever even experiencing that just just uh, hearing about it um, or you may have been very personally connected to it um, so I feel for all the people who were affected by that tragedy and the Cotsboro's message of the week Cotsboro's Kyle and Kellen want to uh, honor and thank everyone who served our country uh, and has and continues to protect our country so that we can have the freedom to continue to trap and to do the things that we love to do. We are uh, very, very fortunate. I think uh, some of the luckiest people in the world, and we got to remember that. So thank you all. Uh, thank, thank you to those who have served and continue to serve. And uh, yeah, let's uh, take a minute to to remember that and uh, and uh, never forget. So, all right, guys, thank you so much again, and keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. Catch you on the next episode.